Well, and here we are. Good morning, church. It's good to be here with you. It's good to, good to, uh, to finally be here. Um, and uh, for those of you who have um, been connected maybe a little bit into Facebook or uh, um, heard from friends about our, our trip, it's been, it's been a long, strange trip. It's been a good one. Um, it will be the subject of really good stories sometime in the future. Um, no. We can laugh about it now. Um, but the point is, is here we are. We're, we're glad to be here with you. And, and we are so thankful. Uh, we have received such an outpouring of love even just in the past few days. And I, I just want to first say how thankful we are um, for just all the ways that you have refreshed our souls just in very, very few short days. Um, there is nothing like showing up after a cross-country move and realizing that you don't have to unpack the truck by yourself. Um, and then there's nothing like being tired after having unpacked the truck and having a second shift of fresh folks show up and just totally, you know, love on you and serve you in that way. And that's been amazing. We, we've been blessed in that. We've been blessed in, I mean, the only thing better than that is, is you come to the house and there's actually like a full pantry. That was really, really amazing and exciting, especially since we had no idea where Walmart was. Um, and uh, yet, we've found that out now. Um, that was one of the first things on the list to find out about. Uh, but just the outpouring of, of, of love and service, of love and in the, in the, the pounding and the, and the meals and inviting us into your homes already, uh, we've been very blessed, and we thank you. And, and um, my wife and my family and I just can't thank you enough for that. And, and we pray that we are going to be as much a refreshment to your souls as you are to ours. It is exciting to kind of be in this this new phase with you. This, you know, it, we've been waiting. You've been excited waiting for us. We've been excited waiting for you. And now here we are. And uh, it's so good to be here with you. And and uh, we're excited about this this new time that God has brought us together. Um, I'll be real with you. I have never done an introductory sermon before. So there's a first time for everything. So we'll see how this goes. Um, um, we are going to be entering into a time uh, in the next few weeks uh, where uh, Daniel and I are going to be uh, working through the book of Colossians with you. And we're looking forward to that. We're going we're gonna to really bring it in the next few weeks. But for this week, mostly, what I wanted to do was to take some time to say thank you and to take some time to encourage you as a congregation and also just to let you know some of my thoughts about uh, what it means to be a minister with a congregation, just this whole minister-congregation relationship. Um, maybe you heard, but Daniel had to take off and, and come hit the ferry and, and come over with us last Sunday because um, circumstances necessitated us bringing two trucks over. Um, that is not so much because we had a whole lot of stuff. It's just because I'm really bad at math, uh, evidently. Um, and uh, linear feet and cubic feet, you know. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, we had to, so <laughs> Daniel came over and I caught him at Port Angeles and we had about a, an hour and a half drive uh, down to Bremerton uh, where, you know, the truck and everything like that was. We got to talk about a lot of different things. And, uh, well, one of them, oh, yep, there it is. Um, by the way, as a complete side note, if you, if, if you are planning a wedding uh, anytime soon, uh, cake toppers have really, really changed. Um, from the standard 
And, and, and to be fair, there is one where the groom is dragging the bride. Okay, so they're, they're being fair both ways, all right? Um, but, that, you know, I just thought that would be a little bit of, little bit of humor uh, for the day. But we were talking about this, one of, the, one of the many things as we were talking and we were dreaming and we were throwing scripture back and forth and all these things that two ministers do when they're shut up in a small car driving somewhere. Uh, one of the things that came up that we started talking about was this relationship between the minister and the congregation. And I joked and I said, you know, it's kind of like an arranged marriage. And, and, and he laughed about it and then kind of said, you know, you're kind of right. Uh, because we're being brought into this very, very intimate, very close relationship. And we don't know anything about each other yet. And yet we're going to live together. We're going to grow together. Um, we're going to be called to be one family and one body together. I mean, we're going we're gonna to be integrated into life together in a, in a very significant way. And there's kind of this learning process. I, I mean, I realize that analogy breaks down very, very quickly and very dissimilar in many ways. Um, but it is true that we are entering into covenant intimacy with one another as a congregation and as a minister. And yet we are also in this process where we're very much learning about each other. And, and, and we're going to become this one family, and yet we've had very little time and experience living in proximity to each other. And it makes for a very interesting mix. It does. And so today I want to begin by first just pledging my desire to you to be your minister. You know, I mean, maybe you're like, well, yeah, you, you, know, you came up and you interviewed and all of that. But I really mean that I want to pledge to you my desire to be your minister, to live with you to grow with you, to experience God with you, to help you experience God in your life. That's what this is all about. This is, this is why we desire to do ministry, with you. Not just in general, with you. And I think those last two words are very important, right? When Paul came to be a minister among the Corinthians... He set his sights solidly on keeping his priorities straight. And I think, I think part of this is because he came to Corinth right after he had hit what I think many would consider the pinnacle of speaking engagements on Mars Hill in Athens. And, uh, and he, had, he had worked his, he'd worked himself up for it. He had brought his A game only to pretty much be mostly dismissed by the influential Athenians. Most of them sneered at him, and a few said, oh, okay, maybe we'll hear you on this again sometime. You know, and I think it was kind of a gut check for Paul. And when he came to Corinth, he said, you know, I, I, it brought me up short, and so I needed to reconsider what my priorities were. And so he makes the statement that he makes in 1 Corinthians that we read, where he basically says, you know, when I came to you, I resolved myself to not be concerned about anything except the crucified Christ, and that that's what I would live, be, exemplify, know among you. And I think that that is such a refreshing attitude for ministers to take in their congregations, especially, I think, in a culture of Christianity now where we, um, we get our fill of, of slick slogans and persuasive speech and seeker-sensitive programs and megachurch models and all of these things that are advertising themselves that this is what ministry is. But when you boil it all down, it really gets back to being a minister means embodying the crucified Christ in the church. 
and I want to make that pledge, you know, because it, it's it's something that I know will will obviously be hard to do some days, right? And not to say that not to say that we don't need, you know, good programs or good models or good strategies. Those definitely have their place. But the pledge that I want to make as a minister to you is this: my primary goal among you is to be someone who shows what the crucified Christ looks like and helps you to live the crucified Christ in the world around you. Helps you model it too. It's no good if I just tell you about it. I have to be able to show it to you and I have to be able to show it to you in a way that you can live it. And so when I, you know, so when you think about the preaching and we think about the living among you and we think about the the programs and the strategies, that's what this really all boils down to. I think for Daniel and for myself and, and for Monique and the elders and everybody that's involved in the leadership, I mean, that's really what we want to be is people that embody the crucified Christ. Model it, show it, live it. Help us all live it as a community. I also appreciate Paul saying, you know, I didn't come with persuasive speech. I didn't come with, um, I didn't come with, my polished professionalism. And uh, this week, I've already had some really awesome, humbling experiences, which I'm sure you'll want to know all about at the potluck. Um, but uh, but it's just a reminder. It was, I, I think it's God just knocking on my head and saying, hey, remember, okay, you may get up here, you may have a well-crafted sermon, you may have a, a, a good, you know, you may have done all your research, and you may have you know, got all your ducks in a row and everything. And you, you may have a plan, but ultimately that's not what makes ministry happen in church. That's not what makes a congregation grow. That's not what helps people live like Christ. The only thing that makes us grow into the image of Christ is the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and that is the one thing that I hope you see in me, and I hope you see in my family, and I hope you see in us as we minister together, is not somebody who's relying on a polished and professional image, okay? That doesn't mean I will not try to be professional, okay? Um, those of you who saw me at the work party yesterday with my knees all ripped out of my jeans and stuff, okay? Uh, but, I, you know, I, I made up for it with the tie today, all right? Won't happen every week, so take a look. Um, but more than an image, what I hope that you see in us, and I hope you see in this entire, you know, in the, in the staff and in the leadership, is the Spirit directing and moving in all of the aspects of our life so that you can glory in Him and grow in Him. One of my favorite authors in the art of ministry is a guy named William Willimon. And he's written a book called The Character and Calling in Ministry, uh, Virtues of the Ordained Life. And it's quickly become a well-used reference for me in considering the relationship between the minister and the church. And in it, he talks a great deal about the calling of the minister and what it is and what distinguishes the minister in a congregation. And one of his quotes that's really stuck with me is this, this idea that a minister is not a minister because they know more than the members of the congregation. And they're not a minister because they do more than the members of their congregation. A minister is, is called to be a minister by way of commitment to be more. And I've wrestled a lot with that idea of what that really means. And, and, and what I don't think it means 
is that I'm called to be on a different level than you, or that there's some sort of hierarchy that's created with, you know, elders and ministers, you know, that somehow we're like super Christians and you guys are like the B team. Okay, that, you know, that's, that's, not, that's not at all what I think that statement means. Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. I mean, if you look at leadership models in, 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 in the kingdom of Christ... That means that we are called to be in your midst and among you, your friends, your brothers and sisters, your counselors, the bearers of the word of God to you. I mean, we're, we're supposed to be the chief servants. We're supposed to bring ourselves lower, not higher. But what I've come to realize more is that as a minister, that means I'm called to commit my character to the church, to be a beacon of Christ in the middle of the church community, to model and pursue the character of Christ specifically as a support to you in this congregation. That that's really what it means to be more, to have that commitment to be more. So to sum it up, for me to be your minister means that I'm supposed to daily proclaim and enact, bring from thought to action, the word of God among us. And yes, that is as scary as it sounds. Okay? And I take that on with it. Take that on with a lot of sobriety. I don't just say that because that... It's easy to proclaim the word. It's easy to tell you this is what the word of God says. Go, be. You know, It's much, much harder to say, no, no, no. We're not just going to proclaim it. We're going to enact it. We're going to bring it into action. We're going to bring it into fruition. We're going to bring it from thought to reality by the power of the Spirit at work among us. But I really think when you look at the commitment of a minister to a congregation, that is what we are called to do. That is what we are called to be, is someone who helps bring this from, from words on a page, from ideas, from a thought process, from a vision, to a transforming power of God that is moving inside of us and changing us into his image. I was thinking about this marriage idea in relation to the minister in the church, and uh, it got me thinking throughout the week about some of the things that I work through when I do premarital counseling uh, with couples. And, uh, and, you know, as I followed up, I went, you know, there are a lot of these things that, that kind of work out the same way. So if you're, if you're getting ready to get married or you're thinking about getting married someday or whatever, you might want to start taking notes because it's a little bit of extra credit for you. Um, if you're already married, your spouse may start kicking you to take notes furiously. Um, just keep it subtle. Um, you know, if I, if I don't notice that it's happening, it's okay. No. Um, but these are some things that I think will be good for us as a congregation um, together. And the first is that we work through our initial expectations and find complementary ones. Um, I have heard it said so many times that there's nothing that kills a good relationship like unrealized, unspoken, or unrealistic expectations. And, uh, and, and the truth is, I know the minister-congregation relationship is prone to those as well. Um, neither of us is ever going to be everything that the other desires. You know, so I'm not trying to deflate the whole honeymoon period right now. I'm just, you know, we, we can live in that and we can roll with that as long as you guys want to, and I'm great with it, okay? But I know, I mean, I'm a, I am a, I'm a human being and I'm going to let you down. And we're not always going to feel like, you know, that this is everything we always dreamed about when we thought about ministry, right? There will be those days. But the point is, is that 
a relationship that works moves from those initial expectations to expectations that are complementary, that allow us to be who we really are with one another. And that's, that, I think, is how we will grow and flourish in a relationship as minister and congregation. And obviously that is dependent on this next one, which is you have to keep lines of communication open and use them well. Uh, I can say to you that my door is always open, um, we kind of live out in the middle of nowhere, so the temptation is very much to kind of keep your door open. Um, I actually don't think it's in the middle of nowhere, because I, I can get here in like 15 minutes, and I'm like, that's good. That works. Kirk may say you're driving too fast, like an American. Um, probably. Um, <laughs> probably so. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I know that that kind of maybe feels like it's out there, but I, I, I'm being serious when I tell you that if you show up at our door, you're going to, I mean, Lauren and Louise will attest to the fact, if, if you show up at their door, you're coming inside, um, you know, at least for a little while, okay? We understand you got to get somewhere. We aren't going to hold you up for too long, but come on inside. We don't care if there are boxes, okay? There's going to be boxes for a while. It's okay. Um, but that communication to me is so vital. I want to hear you. I know what you're going to see Sunday is me primarily talking. That's just the way it is. But realize that we want to listen as well as talk. Okay, we want to know you, and we aren't going to get to know you unless we hear from you. Okay, take advantage of that, and and realize that also that I, I I'm a guy, don't have ESP. Um, it's just the way it is. So, because I'm a guy, um, but you know, don't be afraid to initiate those things with me. Don't be initiate. Don't be afraid to initiate that that conversation with me because I want to hear you and I want to know you, and I want to get to understand what it's like. We're coming in very much as a learner, you know. Think much, I think that's really kind of what Paul said. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to come in with this big, awesome plan. I just wanted to come in and just be Christ to you. Um, and that's our desire for you, is to learn, to grow, to listen. Um, the next one I think that is so important is for us to use the vision of redemption with each other. Um, that's one of the things I love so much about God, is how he can see us exactly the way we are, love us that way, and still have this great image of what we might become and what he is making us become, right? And love us for that as well at the same time. Let's use that vision with one another. I mean, obviously, if, if, if two people are in relationship to each other and they only view each other as they are, the relationship is going nowhere. It's stagnant. It will just stay the way it is, right? And yet if two people only see each other through, through the lens of what they might be, there's very little love sometimes, <laughs> you know, mostly it ends up just being resentment or bitterness that that image is not reality, right? And so let's use the vision of redemption with one another. See each other as we are, love each other as we are, and yet also be excited about where God is moving us to and what we might become, right? And finally, I think this is, is so important that, you know, when people are in a relationship, we must work at all our might with pleasing God and pleasing the partner will naturally follow. Um, Stanley Harwas, who's another um, excellent author, has said that one of the greatest idolatries that can occur in any relationship, ministry or otherwise, is when one person assumes the responsibility of meeting the needs of another. Um, I believe that it is the height of adultery and idolatry for me to assume that as a minister... I'm responsible for meeting your needs. How dare I place myself in the position of the Son of God and His Spirit, the only thing that can satisfy you. 
And yet that's what many of, many of us as ministers are tempted to do. In fact, I, I heard it preached at me a lot of times, even in my classes, was how can you best meet the needs of the congregation? How can you best tailor your stuff to meet their needs, meet their needs, meet their needs? And now they're kind of reversing on themselves and saying, oh, that was not a smart idea to teach you. I believe that in the, in the, in the proclaiming and in the enacting of the word of God among you, that his spirit will meet the needs of this congregation. I believe that with all of my heart. And likewise, for you, church, you should not think that you are beholden to please us. Don't get sidetracked into pleasing me or pleasing the leadership or pleasing any governing body. It is for you to follow Christ. It is for you to serve him, to please him. And when we do that, we will grow and we will be fruitful and we will be in a loving relationship with each other, right? I got to have a great experience on Friday. Um, I'll go ahead and, I guess I'll go ahead and call you guys up now, because I guess I'm almost done. I am almost done, yeah. It's good. That was shorter than I thought. Um, don't worry, I'll make up for it next week. No, um, I'm just kidding. I got to have a really, really good experience on Friday, though, uh, digging into the Word with Monique and Daniel. Um, and it's something I'm really looking forward to doing in the future. But the passage that we read together is from Ephesians 3, uh, 17 through 19. And I want to read that for you real quickly. All right. I pray also that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, so that being rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all of the saints the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled to the fullness, the fullness of God. And we got to, we, we really got to spend some time just talking about what that meant to us and dreaming about what that meant and, and looking forward to what that means in our personal lives and what that means in our lives as a leadership team, um, and I, I really do echo uh, Monique's and Daniel's. Um, it, yeah, it felt like a team real quick, and I love that. I love that. Um, but being able to envision that for what that will look like for a congregation, to know the height and the breadth and the depth and the width of the love of God, and to be able to f be filled to the brim with his fullness. Um Man, church, I want that for you so badly. I want that for you so badly. Because I know that our God wants that for us so badly. Right? I know that his desire is for us to become that together, and that's why he's brought us into this relationship of minister and congregation, that we might draw closer into making this thing that is an idea a reality among us. And that is my prayer. So if you'll let me, I'd love to bless you as a congregation right now. Let's go to the Father together. God, thank you so much for bringing us to this time and this place together. Uh, thank you for, for uh, as, as Daniel put it, interweaving our stories, writing our stories together. And God, I pray that as you continue uh, to tell the story of this congregation, to tell the story of this group of people um, who are striving 
to be like your son. Uh, that your spirit would be at work among us. Uh, that your spirit would empower us to live and to grow and to love together. Pray that we would love passionately each other. I pray that we would love passionately outside these walls to all of these people that are around us right now uh, who do not know you, who do not know the purpose that you have for their lives right now. Um, and that we would be filled with your fullness and so that it just it shines out of us. It oozes, your fragrance just, just oozes out of us into the world in an undeniable and real way, God. Pray that we will we will dream big, we will love big, we will bear with you with one another and have great grace for each other. And more more than anything, God, that we will know the greatness of your love, this love that surpasses all knowledge. Uh, and yet we will be assured of it and be able to grasp it in our hearts. And that we will be filled with your fullness in all that we say, in all that we do, in all that we are. Pray over the elders of this church as they lead us. I pray over Monique and Daniel and I as a leadership team um, as we uh, work to enact that word, uh, that word of your Son, um, who is the Word, as we as we make Him known uh, in this congregation, Lord. And I pray for every single person in here that they may come to know your Son, that they may come to know his love, how big and wide and deep it is, and that they may be filled with the fullness of your spirit. It's in your most holy name we pray.